This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and my favorite team, the Chicago White Sox, stink. Yeah, I mean, you guys have been hearing the same story from me all season long. This has been unbelievable. This is now four straight series. In case you didn't know, they lost to the Texas Rangers last night. I was there. Um, That is now four straight series in which they came into the third game tied at one game apiece in the series, and they lost it. So that's four straight series losses. It's a tough. I mean, Texas Rangers are good. I think they're the real deal. They'll probably stay right in the mix there in the AL West. Would it shock me if they... You know, if the Houston Astros catch him a little bit or with Shohei Otani, what he's doing, it's just a great division. But, you know, we're not here to talk about the White Sox right now. We're here right now to talk about the hottest team in Major League Baseball, which there's another team in the league with a double-digit win streak, and they're not the hottest team in baseball because of this team. We are talking about the Cincinnati Reds, and of course, today's going to be such a huge Red show. Last week, there was some technical difficulties. We're going to have two Reds guests today, and I'm very excited to be talking Reds, and I'm going to lead off with the Reds content guy from Chatterbox Sports. I'm talking Nick Kirby. Nick, how you doing, man? Hey, Vinny. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Very, very good. Before we begin, I said this to you off air. I'm going to say it where everybody can kind of take appreciation as well. Your background is sweet, man. Is that <laughs> a mini fridge with all those red stickers on it? I love it. Yeah, my uh, my kids, uh, it, w- it was nice and organized, but they, they scatter them throughout. So, K- Kids have a way of doing that, don't they? They do. They do. So first off, before we get into the reds, you know, the meat and potatoes of why we're here. How'd you get started with Chatterbox Sports, all the things you do? What's going on? Tell me about yourself. Yeah, just, uh, you know, been a lifelong Reds fan. Um, I actually live east of Cleveland, almost in Pennsylvania. So I'm quite a ways away from Cincinnati, but I grew up there. You know, obviously the Reds are are my team. So I started writing back in 2013 uh, for, for a website that covers the Reds and just kind of slowly, you know, built throughout that on, on social media and stuff. And, uh, uh, this new company, Chatterbox Sports, came around and uh, love what they're doing. They've they've built up a, a pretty good network, and we started this season. We do uh, live post game shows on YouTube after every game, and then uh, podcasts, a podcast version also every morning. Um, and it's um it's taken off. I, I would love to say it's all me, but I think uh, I think the uh, Cincinnati Reds uh, and their play has more to do with it than anything else. I was going to say it had to be a lot more fun doing it for the last 11 games. Is that correct? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely has. Uh, we were hoping, you know, kind of with this, you know, look going into the season, the future looked pretty good for the Reds, but this year was there was just so much unknown. So we were just kind of hoping to, you know, build some momentum this year and and and, and maybe be a year or two away. And when, when the Reds are really good, have something rolling. But Reds have been uh, very far ahead of schedule so far, at least through uh, mid June. So, you know, really quick before we get into the good part of the Reds, you're right. Like, they were coming into this year. There were mixed expectations. I remember going into last year, the the Reds were kind of down in the dumps. People were talking, you know, negatively about the owner during the lockout and all that. What a way we co- we've come. I mean, how did it turn around this quickly going from everybody wants to basically light the team on fire to where we are today, where there are 11 games in a row, one and leading the NL Central and looking like a possible serious playoff team here. Well, yeah, I mean, the Reds started 3-22 and 22 last year. You can't, can't start much worse than that. Reds traded off a lot of uh, fan favorites. Um, the, the short answer is uh, most of the moves that the Reds did that were unpopular worked. Um, they, they made a lot of really smart, talented acquisitions. Um, the Reds... For so long, have drafted really, really poorly, uh, but their last several drafts have have been really, really good. Guys like Jonathan India, Tyler Stevenson, um, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, um, not to mention Matt McLean, who's just come up um, down the line. And then they they've also added a lot of talented pieces like Spencer Steer, um, and, and it just kind of has really incredibly quickly turned around for the Reds faster than even I could have thought. But the the cool thing about the Reds, if you're a Reds fan or someone who follows the Reds is as good as they've been this year, the talent that that's not even hasn't even reached the big leagues yet and their long-term outlook. I don't know if in my lifetime it's ever looked better. Um, now we'll have to see how a lot of these guys will pan out as they, they get here, but so far so good with, with just about everyone that's made their debut to this point. For sure. And you touched on the draft. My favorite Reds draft pick in the last handful of years is obviously Jonathan India. You know, he was the NL Rookie of the Year in 2021 and just outstanding stuff from him so far. A lot of teams passed on him. Jonathan India kind of makes me sick to my stomach in a way, too, because the White Sox could have had him. And, you know, they, they, you know, they're even worse at drafting than the Reds have been, especially lately. But, um, where do you see his like ceiling as a major league baseball player? Cause I, like there's debate on whether or not he's like going to be a star or if he is a star, or if he's like, you know, a top tier player in the league, where do you stand on Jonathan India? Cause I'm a huge fan. Jonathan India is a uh, polarizing topic around uh reds country. Um, I mean, Jonathan, I think everyone agrees. Jonathan is a really good player, really good hitter. Um, plays just incredibly hard one of those gritty guys that he's easy to root for um the problem for jonathan india is that there's a lot of other talented players that are are just call it like it is better defensively jonathan india ranks towards the bottom and like sats like outs above average defensively at second base so Right now, they're continuing to play him at second base, um, and, and they're kind of mixing and matching between Ellie De La Cruz playing at third base and shortstop and Matt McClain playing at shortstop and second base, and then Andy kind of DH, and they're kind of just figuring that out this season. But there's a guy coming, and he's coming fast in Noel V. Marte, who right now is playing third base and shortstop. And it's just it's really difficult to envision that if, if Noel V. Marte hits even a little bit, 
that the infield defense of of Marte at third base, Elliott shortstop, Matt McLean at second base wouldn't be the best route to go. So that kind of leaves India in, in no man's land. And I don't think it'd be fair to try to move him in the middle of the season to the outfield. But that probably is the best move, either that or maybe he kind of moves to first base and kind of becomes like a Max Muncy type where he kind of plays and mixes and matches. Um, but there, there's also the possibility the Reds have not been scared to make trades. It'd be difficult with where the Reds are right now, but it, w- it wouldn't be completely, completely out of the question that they they look to maybe move him for a starting pitcher, one of the rare you know MLB for MLB talent trades. Yeah, and you would think that there are lots of players that could become like, hey, maybe Dylan Cease one day is an option for somebody like, you know, the Cincinnati Reds or Lucas Giolito. Uh, I think Dylan Cease would probably be more for the Jonathan India type package. But I mean, there are lots and that's just, you know, in my realm of the world is thinking of White Sox pitchers. But there are other great pitchers out there that I'm sure Jonathan India can help them land. And it's kind of funny. That's two topics in a row here. You led me right into perfectly. You brought up Ellie De La Cruz. What a monster this guy is. And not only is he really good at baseball, because guess what, guys? There are a lot of players really good at baseball. But Ellie De La Cruz gives me, like, early, early COVID season Fernando Tatis Jr. vibes, where he's just electric factory. He's must-see TV. Talk to me from a Reds diehard perspective about Ellie De La Cruz. Well, Ellie De La Cruz is the guy that, that got a lot of people like myself interested in minor league baseball and in tracking minor league baseball. So when I, when I first heard about this guy back in 2021, um, it was, he was kind of already like building up this legend. And so he's really the first player that I personally have like tracked what he's done on a daily basis for years. And so to see him finally get to the big leagues, that in itself was really cool. The wild thing, Vinny about LED La Cruz, he's hitting 321 with a 923 OPS. And it feels wrong for me to even say this, but I think most Reds fans share this with me. It doesn't even feel like he's really been as great as he could be. Like, I know that that probably sounds like so over the top, but I, I genuinely think most Reds fans would say, yeah, he's been like pretty good, but there's way, way, way more in the tank than what we've seen so far. That's honestly got to be so exciting, though. I completely get what you're saying. Like there are sometimes like the stats just look so good and you're like, but I know this guy's in year one and I know, I know there's more potential that could be coming from this. So, Hey, I'm firmly with you on that. Now, Ellie De La Cruz is obviously, like you said, his name's been out there for a long time. There have been people in Cincinnati and out that have been kind of tracking this guy. He's been in lots of top 10 MLB prospect lists for, you know, at least a year now, probably more. And but I'm curious, is there anybody in the red system that hasn't made their major league debut yet that you're like, that guy, that guy, he's going to be a contributor very, very soon. I'm excited for him. Well, I mentioned Noel V. Marte. I, I, he would probably be the guy. Um, I'll, I'll go a little bit. I already mentioned him. I'll um, I'll go with Connor Phillips right now, who uh, I think he leads minor league baseball in strikeouts. He's in double A. There's a chance maybe not a high chance, but there's a possibility that he could work his way up to the big leagues by the end of the year. Um, he would definitely be the guy that I think he's been his last couple starts. He's just been, been electric. And this was the guy that the most, maybe the most unpopular trade that I can ever remember the Reds have ever made 
was was Jesse Winker and A.U. Hino Suarez to the Mariners, and that was what really snowballed all those ugly feelings last year. Connor Phillips was not mentioned in that trade when it happened. He was the player to be named later. And it's funny because, you know, when you hear player to be named later, it's like, ah, this will be a, you know, a nobody, a throw in. And right now he looks like the centerpiece. Now, Jake Fraley has been incredible. Brandon Williamson has shown some flashes, but I think Connor Phillips is the guy that's going to make that trade somehow go from an ugly trade in a lot of people's minds when it happened to maybe one of the better trades the Reds have made. I love that. I honestly, I love it. And there's just so much excitement beaming off your face in the face of all Reds fans right now. And listen, I think Cincinnati's an outstanding sports town. And I, I, you know, the Reds are one of the inventors of the MLB. Like they're a prominent franchise in this league. And I feel like people don't even really realize that yet. Cause like, you know, there's this like stigma against Ohio. Like it's boring. Like I, I disagree with all of it. I love it. You know, I want to see people eating Skyline Chili in October when it's negative 10 degrees. And, you know, it's going to be outstanding. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, talk to me a little bit about the starting rotation. though. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the Reds' biggest need right now. It's honestly been incredible that they've been able to piece together what, what they've done. I mean, right now. Uh, they only have four starters. It sounds like Graham Ashcraft is probably going to come back this weekend, but he's been really, really bad this year, just, just to be honest. But they have Luke Weaver, who's a guy that was their biggest free agent signing the offseason, pitching-wise at, at like $2 million. Um, He's struggled, but shown some flashes. Ben Lively, a guy that's come out of nowhere, was, was pitching over in Japan. Um, he's actually been pretty good for the Reds. Brandon Williamson, a guy that when he was called up was – pitching terrible at AAA. They just kind of caught him up out of necessity. He's actually pitched pretty decent. Um, and But the one the one shining light has been Andrew Abbott. Yeah, he just made his fourth start yesterday. No walks, 10 strikeouts. Um, he's been incredible uh, for the Reds. Really, maybe the, the piece that's kind of holding together. Hoping to get Hunter Green back soon. Nick Lodolo, it sounds like he's probably not back till like August at the earliest. So you're kind of getting into the point where is he even going to be a big contributor this year so that's the big question around the reds is um is what are they gonna do with the deadline if they continue to hang around and there's still a lot of time to the deadline i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and um you know the reds go on a five six seven eight game losing streak and and you're you're completely changing the conversation i remember the the cubs back in 2021 remember they were like in first place and and it just they went on a big losing streak and then boom they ended up trading everyone they they fell out of the race so quick that that's a possibility. You have to you have to I- admit that for the Reds. But I think I think I want to ask you a question because I think the Reds, based on a lot of their comments, based on a lot of what seems like their organizational philosophy, the Reds don't want to be giving away minor league talent. At least a lot of it. They want to keep continue to stockpile it. I think the Reds might be looking. They've significantly overachieved in attendance so far this year. It sounds like they might have sellouts this weekend, which is just insane if you were watching this team last year. I think they may be looking to get a pitcher that's maybe more of like a salary dump. And the guy that keeps coming to mind to me is Lance Lynn. What do you think would take to get Lance Lynn? Do you think just his salary, or do you think you'd have to throw something in? It probably wouldn't be much. Because Lance, like Lance was kind of getting close to like DFA territory mm-hmm. I would say a couple weeks ago and he you know he's put together a nice start last week on I think it was on Father's Day on Sunday when he had the 16 strikeouts and he looked like old Lance Lind again 
Um, Joe says pocket lint and salary. That's funny. I mean, Lance, Lance would be so perfect for this Reds team right now, I think. Because I do think there's still something in there. He showed flashes this season, and like he's had some really bad starts, and that's why his numbers look the way they do. But I don't see the Reds giving up. If they were to get a Lance Lynn, I don't see them giving more than like a top twenty pro. Like, like I'm talking like the depths of the prospect system. The White Sox probably would do something like that. And there are people that will say like, oh, who the White Sox can? They need warm bodies to pitch for them this season because Clevenger's out. And then you got Lance Lynn, Giolito, who you probably will trade to Cease. But I really don't care. Call someone up who is like thirty in the minor league system. Like it doesn't matter at this point when you're eleven games under five hundred. I would not be surprised if Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito are packaged with each other okay. at some point. And then we could be talking about, you know, maybe the Reds giving up like their second catcher in their prospect system or something, something crazy like that. That wouldn't shock me because I think Giolito will be on the move too. But I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think something like that makes sense. Um, I-, I know a lot of Redskins kind of scoff at, at, at Lance Lynn. Yeah, it's not really going to move the needle, but. I don't know. The Reds have multiple guys that have ERAs in the sixes that they're running out there right now. Somehow they're still finding ways to win. I look at Lance Lynn and I say, you know, hey, you move him to a different city. Obviously, Great American Ballpark is not a great ballpark to pitch in, but maybe you, you re- rejuvenate him. And what's the worst? If all you're doing is picking up salary, what's the worst thing that happened? You pick him up, give him a couple starts, doesn't work out, you DFA him. It's just money. It's not, you're not risking your prospect capital um, in a year that you were not really supposed to be here. Um, but you're also still giving the current team a chance. And and that's the kind of moves that I personally would like to see the Reds looking at, um, unless something just falls in their lap. I know a lot of people have thrown around a trade similar like what the Reds did in 2019 when they went and got Trevor Bauer because he still had a year of control after this, which I believe is Cease has a, does Cease have a year of control left. Yes, yes. So so those maybe make a little bit of sense. Shane Bieber has been tossed around. I don't see the Reds given up enough prospects. I think someone's going to pay more than the Reds are willing to go. I think that's a pipe dream in Cincinnati. Um, but that's kind of where, where I see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know Marcus Stroman, his name comes up around town as a player. The Cubs could potentially, but you know, I don't know if that's something that would ever work out with the Reds, but you know, it's certainly going to be on the table. I think for the Reds to acquire a starting pitcher, it reminds me of the Mariners last year. We all kind of saw them as overachieving a little bit, but I also wonder if you, think there's a chance the Reds kind of go the route of the Orioles last year like let's say they taper off just a little bit right like they're not going to have a 900 winning percentage the rest of the way and they're like second in the division and battling for that wild card spot would you trade away anybody on an expiring contract knowing that next year's the year you can really load up or are you trying to make the playoffs this year I think if the Reds are like even like a game out, I don't see them doing anything other than adding maybe like some relievers that are are salary dump type guys. I don't see them giving up anything of significance unless they are um, firmly like ahead in the NL Central. I don't think they're even. I think if the wild, I think the Reds front office, in my opinion, they're not even looking at the wild card. They don't care what the standings are because I think realistically, I think they they could look at themselves in the mirror and go it would take a miracle for the Reds to get one of the wild card spots. It's going to have to be the NL Central literally falling in the Reds' lap. And that's okay. Hey, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> we'll take, you know, we'll take however we can get it. But yeah, I think the Reds are, are would be far more likely to go the Orioles route than the Mariners. The only difference is the Reds play in the NL Central. The Orioles play in a stacked division. So I think that's the only thing that, that 
that that changes things. But I think the Reds are more of the Orioles' mindset than than what the Mariners are doing. The Reds they made a trade last year where they traded Tyler Malley to the Twins, and it's looking like a complete fleecing at this point with Spencer Steer and Christian Encarnacion and Stram. And I'm telling you, the Reds do not want to be on the other side of that that deal. Um, that that's I'm sure a, a massive uh, a fear in the front office. Yeah, for sure, and I'm I'm super excited about that. It's First of all, thank you for making the Twins worse. That's incredible. Um, really quick, I got a couple more for you. Um, David Bell, pretty good job as a manager so far. Could be talking manager of the year type deal. I would think so. I, I would if there's he has to be the front runner right now, right? I, I would say so. I mean, I'm trying to think of who you know. San Francisco is one of those teams that I think could get love in that department. Um, if the Cubs keep it up, maybe David Ross, but like David Ross, the, they also kind of hate him in town right now. I, I don't really know. There's a, there's a couple candidates. Bruce Bochy, I would think has to be in the conversation because nobody saw this coming from the Rangers, but I, I would give David Bell. I mean, I guess we're talking American league versus national league. They give one for each league, but as far as the national league, David Bell's been outstanding. Yeah, I was I was actually just looking at it earlier. The Reds had a one point seven percent chance of making the playoffs according to fan graphs. Now they're only up to in the preseason. Now they're only up to twenty right now. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But yeah, if the season ended today. I think he he's the slam dunk uh, manager of the year. Um, and, and it's wild. Uh, the perception of David Bell was was not great the last couple of years, um, but he finally got a team that that seems to work. And it, it just it feels like. I mean, and I'm sure it always feels like if you're on an 11 game win streak, it just feels like every button he's pushed of late has been the right button. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's done a great job. He's actually a uh, his contract actually is up at the end of this year, so I would be shocked if if you see an extension here pretty quick because I I doubt they're going to want that to go deep into the year. I I don't even think they I don't think they want it to be a situation where you get to like, let's say the Reds just collapse in the second half, right? I, I don't think you'd want that to kind of be like, oh, well, David, I think you want to get that done just so that even if that happens, he's shown enough that, that he deserves to continue to see this through. For sure. And listen, when you have a manager like that, and they got a lot of, I don't know how to word this. Like, you you call up some of these prospects and the manager, like, inserts them in the right spot in the lineup. I think there's something to be said about that as well because – there's a such thing as lineup continuity. And when you're inc- including a De La Cruz or some of these other guys that the Reds have called up and seen them hit their first career home runs, um, not really struggle too much out of the gate. I think the manager does deserve a little bit of credit for that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think you have to also give some credit to the organization as a whole and the guys that are on the minor leagues that have developed these guys, but it's felt like every single player that has come up this year looks incredibly comfortable like it's it's just really crazy how comfortable each of these guys have looked none of these guys you could look at a guy like Spencer Steer who's a rookie Andrew Abbott is a rookie if you have you had a casual baseball fan that has no idea who these guys are and they watch the Reds I'm telling you they would think Andrew Abbott and Spencer Steer have been playing in this league for five or ten years like they just look so comfortable out there they, they look so professional and they look so ready to compete every day and th- david bell has to get a lot of credit for that i love it now how's cincinnati responding when you go online you know there are some toxic fan bases on twitter.com and all that kind of thing but when you're winning you're winning and everybody loves each other and it's great 
What has been your kind of interpretation of what's going on in Reds Nation right now? It has been a wild shift. I tell you what, um, I there was times last year, to be honest, where I wouldn't even open the Bluebird app. Like I just like I'm not. I don't even like. Think you know Reds are down four runs. I'm not even opening it. It's just going to be so just downright pitiful. And, you don't need uh, that kind of negativity in your life. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I definitely subscribe to that philosophy. But this year, for the most part, it's just it's completely shifted. It'll be interesting to see what happens when the Reds kind of come off of this uh, uh, riding the, this this high because it's going to come down at some point. Interesting to see how it how it kind of tapers out. But um, I saw one of the the local reporters in Cincinnati said there was like only like one section left of tickets. And the Reds legitimately sounds like they might sell out this weekend, at least a couple of the games against the Braves. I mean, the, the Reds last year on weekend series, they were struggling to get 20,000. Wow. Um, so it's just it's it, the, the the fans have embraced this team so quickly. And I'll try to be nice, but there's several people out there that I've seen that last year said they were done with this team. They're going to boycott the franchise and they're back. Yeah, but you don't do that, people. I like. What are you talking about? Like, I if that were the case, I would have became a Yankee fan or a Dodger fan or an Astros fan a long time. I'm rooting for the White Sox. They don't even get ten thousand people a game on most nights. Like, you know, it was Pride Night like yesterday. The day before was White Sox charities. It takes those kinds of nights to bring people in into this stadium. And I'm like, listen, you guys ain't leaving. In three years, if they're good again, you'll be right back there like you were in 2021. Don't lie to me. But I do think Cincinnati's an outstanding sports town. Are you into the Bengals at all? Not, not really. Not, not like the the Reds. Uh, to be honest, man, I, I pour my heart and soul into following the Reds all year. And uh, by the time this end of the year year uh, ends, I've got to really focus on like trying to be a decent decent dad. And um, so I, I've never been into his football as much. But honestly, I I, I don't even get into it because I don't want to go too far if that if, if that that kind of makes sense that that makes total sense and the only reason I ask is because like I love college football and I've been into Joe Burrow since way back when he was at LSU so that's why you know I'm all about that but my last question before um we let you go can the Reds win the NL Central I'm putting you on the spot go out there and say it we'll clip it and then we'll put it on Twitter, and then we'll either make fun of you if they don't, or we'll, you know, praise you if they do. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, 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 I've it's it's wild, Vinny, because like I've been like leading the optimistic train when when the vibes were as low as they could be. If you were telling me to bet, will the Reds win the NL Central or not? I, I, if I'm putting money on, I would say no. I mean, I, I'm just being completely honest. Um, could they? Yeah, certainly, absolutely. All these other teams have massive flaws um but the Reds starting pitching it just it feels like something that they've just pieced together and pieced together and pieced together and at some point it's going to to um um level out but could they yes am I predicting they will probably not but uh I I'll I'll give you something the Reds will win the 2024 division. I'll tell you that. I'll Very put, good. Right Let's now, go. they'll, they'll definitely win the 20. I shouldn't say definitely, but I, I would put money on them winning 2024. I mean, the Cardinals are old. The Cubs are up and down. I, I like what Pittsburgh is doing, but, you know, they're the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? And then the Brew Crew, kind of same issue as the Cubs. They're just kind of like up and down over the years. So 
We'll see what happens. I'm becoming a Reds guy. I've, you've seen my tweets. I, I've been enjoying this thing. And listen, I enjoy your content a lot. I was looking for multiple people. I wanted to have multiple Reds people on over the next couple of weeks. And it kind of worked out that this week they just happened to be on an 11-game winning streak. It all turned out for the better. Nick, why don't you promote your stuff before we let you get out of here? Yeah, well, Vinny, thanks again for having me. It's been, uh, been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, Nicholas P. Kirby. Um, if you want to find out what I do every single night, not tonight, the Reds are off, but just about every other night in the summer, Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Um, we do live shows after every game and then Chatterbox Reds, anywhere you get podcasts. Um, we have a podcast the morning after every single Reds game. And then when they're winning 11 in a row, we'll even have one on an off day. So there'll be one tomorrow morning for you. Very, very good. I'm so excited for it. I hope they win 12 more in a row. Go break that Oakland A's record. Did the Guardians slash Indians break the record a couple years ago? I know they came close. Yeah. I remember when they it was 2019 the, or something. The Reds uh, franchise record's only 14. Ooh. So they're, they're, Ooh. they're not that far away from, from their, their own records. So. Uh-oh. Who we got in the next series to tie the record? Just the Atlanta Braves. Uh-oh. Oh, that's actually amazing. Oh, that's must-see television. That's baseball. That See, as a White Sox guy whose team's 11 games under, that is what we watch for at this point in the season. That's outstanding. So, Nick, thank you so much for coming on. It has been an absolute pleasure talking Reds with you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Crosstown Crosstalk listeners, we will send you to a quick commercial break. What was the motivation to get into scouting? I guess I've been analytical Mm -hmm. in that area, like even when I was like a a kid. That's Forte's first touchdown, and he autographed it. That's the Pro Bowl players one year. All those are our picks. So that's Briggs, Nate Vasher, Tommy Harris. Two things, the bigger ones on top, Mm -hmm. those were gifts from Parcells. When we went to the Super Bowls, that he gave all the scouts. See, five Bears. The Bears gave us that. That Ted Phillips gave us his opening night at the new Soldier Field. That's Devin's touchdown in the Super Bowl. Devin autographed that. But this is our, our first draft class. Welcome back to Crosstown Crosstalk, where I am so thankful to have gotten the opportunity to talk some Reds with Chatterbox Sports' Nick Kirby. And guess what, folks? There's red all over the screen. My name's in red. The bottom line is red. The seams in baseball are, are the seams in a baseball are red. We're here talking Reds. I've loved everything I've seen from the Cincinnati Reds this season to the point where I kind of want to go on like a little run here, where I'm interviewing different folks who are eating sleeping and breathing reds the way I kind of want to be with this team being as good as they are right now. We're going to have a, probably a giants episode soon too. They probably won't be on a winning streak by next show. You know, you figure they'll lose one of their next six games, even though they're on a 10 game winning streak, but we will probably be doing some San Francisco giant stuff too. They're on this crazy winning streak, but I want to bring in another reds guest. We ain't done talking reds here. I'm just telling you, we are going to bring in somebody who I am very fond of. 
somebody who works alongside me as a site expert at fansided.com, the blog red machine, Cincinnati red site at fansided, Drew Cook. Drew, how are we doing? Denny, nice to see you. Nice to see you. I have to start out. I have to apologize. I was supposed to be with you last week. I dropped the ball on that one, but how amazing is it that they were on a five-game win streak last week, and now we get to talk again, and they haven't lost yet. Isn't that incredible? let's talk some Reds baseball, baby. Absolutely. You know what? If they lose tomorrow, it's kind of your fault, right? Yeah, exactly. It's Well, we can can blame Nick, too. You know, we can always blame Nick. Yes. Now, are you familiar (laughs) with Nick's work? Oh, Nick does a great job with Chatterbox. Nick Nick does a really, really good job with Chatterbox. So, yeah, he's – He's out there amongst the masses. We see each other on Twitter every now and again. And um, Nick does a really, really good job with um, with his stuff over there at Chatterbox. Oh, that warms my heart. Reds fans just having a good old time talking with each other. I, you know, then you probably won't be the last. I want to have like this Reds team just excites me. Everything about them. I, they, they feel like what the White Sox should have became. And that's kind of where I'm at with the whole thing. So. And I, I love the history of the Reds, if that makes sense, being one of the original Major League Baseball teams and all that. Like, if, you're, if, you, if your team was represented in Field of Dreams, like somebody on the field when Moonlight Graham saved Ray Kinsella's daughter's life, if I saw your team's jersey out there, I love you forever. <laughs> you're just an original team. Like the A's, the sick A's, the Cubs, the White Sox, just awesome, awesome, awesome. Um so tell me about yourself first and foremost before we get into talking some baseball. How did you get involved with Blog Red Machine? Where did it start making Reds content? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, I actually joined Fansided back in 2018, and I was a contributor at um, uh, Wildcat Blue Nation, which actually did um, Kentucky Wildcats, University of Kentucky Sports. Um, and after about six or eight months – uh, I flipped over and uh, joined the team over at Blog Red Machine, and they've just been uh, pouring out content over there ever since. So, um, you know, we uh, we try to be, you know, opinion and uh, you know, opinion based. Do some analysis, break some rumors when we can. Um, but more than anything, what I always tell Reds fans, and I tell the other contributors that um, work with us over there at Blog Red Machine, that we try to take a glass half full approach. Um, it's really easy to me to, to be a fan, to be a negative fan all, all the time. I mean, hundred losses last year, kind of hard to get past that this year. It's really easy to do a lot of fun and positive content with the team on an 11 game win streak. So, um, yeah, been pulling out content over there for about the last six years. So it's uh, been a great ride and we uh, just keep pouring it on over there on a regular basis. Absolutely. Now I'm going to ask you to lead off our Reds conversation. Something that I think I would ask every single Reds fan I came across over the next couple weeks. Talk to me about Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz will be the best player in baseball within the next five years. Wow. That's a take. There's, there's, there's your hot take. If you want a hot take, there's your hot take. I like so, a good hot take, Drew. Um, I mean, I, I think it, I think what sets him apart more than anybody else that I've seen is his speed. Um, I mean, the dude is, is fast. We, as Reds fans, I mean, the Reds have seen him in the minor Reds fans have seen him in the minor leagues. You see the power. I mean, he's hitting, you know, 400 plus 450 plus blast on a regular basis. Um, But the way that he can turn a, an infield, what should be a, what should be an easy put out into a single, and then, you know, 
steals a base, you know, advances. Just, I mean, his his speed to me is what sets him apart. He can hit from both sides of the plate. He's he's a six tool player. He's got the arm. He's got the speed. He plays good enough defense. Um, he's got the power, and he can hit from both sides of the plate. That's why I call him a six tool player. I mean, that's kind of a fun thing that Reds fans have been saying. But to have a switch hitter that can do that, um, I don't think we've seen. You know, I, I think Reds fans have been looking at Matt McClain, who is another fantastic young prospect in their in their organization, and he's been playing great. Um, and De La Cruz hasn't hit that stride since he's been called up. But just some of the some of the outrageous plays that you've seen. I mean, he he beat out an inside and uh, an infield chopper to first base, sliding into first base, um, just advanced on a pass ball that most players would would sit still on. Um, the power is the one thing that I don't think Reds fans have seen since he's been called up. He's had a couple, uh, he's had a massive home run to right field in his first, uh, Homer. Uh, and then his second one was a wall scraper out to, to right, uh, to left field. So haven't seen that consistent power that you saw in the minor leagues, but I mean, he's been up for what, two weeks. Uh, he has phenomenal, phenomenal talent needs to cut down on the strikeouts. But I think once he adjusts to some of this major league pitching, by the end of the year, people are just going to be enamored by this guy. Absolutely. And I honestly, I love how much he, you know, stretches out a double into a triple. That's just incredible. Um, another player on the Reds that I think is very intriguing and gets a lot of people talking is Jonathan India. You want to talk to me about him just a little bit? Jonathan India is the leader of this team. You know, Joey, no, no, no disrespect to Joey Votto and you know, he's back in the lineup, which is great after being gone for 10 months with that surgery. But Jonathan India leads this team. He has not missed a single start yet. He's started every game, uh, to my knowledge. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of hype around the team with so many talented infield prospects uh, that India has some limitations defensively he's gotten better but he does have some limitations defensively which is why he's at second base but he makes up for any deficiency that he has with the gritty hard-nosed approach that he comes to, to the field with every day um he leads that team he's the heart and soul of that team so um just a gritty hard-nosed player everybody every fan in major league baseball would love to have that guy on their team just by the way that he plays so, absolutely um, ab absolute uh, leader of that team, no doubt. Now, is there another player that's like a prospect that maybe people that are outside of Cincinnati or, you know, following their minor league system that you think deserves their praise out there? You talking to somebody who's still in the minor leagues? Yes. Um, everybody, I, I think most Red fans, Reds fans and folks know about Christian Encarnacion Strand, big power, probably will be the, the next man up eventually, maybe that later this year. Um, there's kind of a roster crunch right now trying to figure out a way to get him up and get consistent at bats. Honestly, the the one guy that I really like is uh, is Connor Phillips, um, right-handed pitcher. He's currently at double A, probably will get a bump up to triple A once they hit that uh, minor league all-star game. Um, very, very small outside chance he makes his way up here um, by the end of uh, by the end of the season. I mean, you know, he's not on the 40-man roster. Uh, I believe he's only 21 years old, and the Reds already have so many young pitching prospects in the majors right now. It would feel like a stretch to get him up there. 
But if this team doesn't do a lot at the trade deadline to bring on a, a veteran starter or two and they need an arm, if he hasn't reached an innings limit, limit yet, he would be a player that I would look at that might make a late push. And if he doesn't make a late push this year, next year he's going to be in the conversation for the starting rotation for sure. I love to hear it. That's great stuff. Um, what have you made of their starting rotation that exists right now, though, so far this year? Injuries have hurt. You know, Nick Lodolo's out right now. Um, they expect Graham Ashcraft back probably this this weekend. Um, Hunter Green's still out, uh, just landed on the 15-day IL with a hip issue. Health is probably the biggest concern for those guys. But, you know, all three of those guys have hit a sophomore slump at some point in time this year, too. So I think great rookie seasons for all three, big expectations in year two. I think Green has started to hit that um, until he hit the IL. Um, just a massive talent there. Um, but both Lodolo and Ashcraft have struggled. Uh, they've had, you know, unexpected contributions from uh, Ben Lively, who has a, you know, a great story getting to the major leagues, was drafted by the Reds, traded to the Phillies, you know, spent some time uh, in, in the minors and overseas, comes back, and he's a starter now. He's been consistent, you know, number five, number four, number five starter. Um, but if this team is looking to compete, they're going to have to add some veteran arms. I'm not talking like they don't need to go after a Shane B, uh, you know, a Shane Beamer, or I'm sorry, Shane Bieber or anything like that. But, you know, need, need some veteran arms in there to help carry them, uh, lift these young guys up. And they got to get healthy. They got to get healthy. For sure. And, you know, David Bell, he's done a very good job managing this team. And I love how he inserted certain players into the lineup upon getting called up and addressing the other players that were already there. What have you made of him so far this year as a manager after some pretty tough years there? Outside of Tori Lovello at Arizona, I think you got to consider him the front runner for the NL manager of the year and maybe even above Lovello. Um, you know, Bell has taken a lot of heat for a lot of years and, um, He's due for a contract extension if they're gonna if they're gonna extend him. Wouldn't be surprised if that happens sometime in the near future. Um, Bell has taken a lot of heat. It's great to see him have success. Um, you know his guys play hard for him. He sticks up for his guys. I mean, I think Aaron Boone might have him nicked on uh, ejections over the last five years, but uh, Bell is going to come to the defense of his guys on a regular basis. Um, catches a lot of flack, but um, they had some co coaching turnover too. First base coach uh, turnover. Um, that's been a big plus for them. Um, hitting coach, a big plus too. And you got to, you know, look to Bell when he's evaluating talent uh, on the coaches with stuff like that. So, um, you know, tip of the cap to David Bell. And I think that he's earned himself a contract extension. Probably see that, I think, before the end of the year. Very good. Now, do you think the Reds will be buyers at the trade deadline? Um, yes, but I wouldn't expect any major moves. Um, I think if the Reds are looking to buy, they're going to buy, you know, some, uh, some low end starters bullpen help would probably be the biggest thing they could probably help themselves with. I just look at their farm system and I know they don't want to touch it too deep. They don't want to go too deep and, and, uh, you know, pull out any of their top prospects from the farm system. Um, they have so many young players down in there. I feel like a playoff push is great, but not at the expense of sacrificing over the long haul this year. Um, so if they're going to be buyers, I would look at like maybe some rentals that are going to help fill in some bullpen voids, um, fill in the back end of the rotation. 
And if they're going to buy, they're going to either buy cheap or something that's not going to cost them a lot of, of their high-end prospects anyway. No, no need to bring up any kind of bats. There's no need for that. They've, they've got those in the minor leagues. Yeah, for sure. That makes total sense. Um, talk to me really quick about the city of Cincinnati as they prepare for what is going to be a pretty fun stretch of baseball. Whether they make the playoffs or not, I still think Cincinnati is going to be roaring for the Reds this year. They finally have started to pack some seats in there at uh, Great American Ballpark, which is great to see. I mean, there's there's been so many years when the Reds have been good and you haven't had a lot of, of turnout. Now you're having, you know, 20,000 plus for a Tuesday game. I mean, you would have never seen that last year. You would be lucky to get seven, 8,000 in that stadium. So that's great to see. Atlanta's coming in this weekend. They'll probably sell out a game or two, which will be fantastic. Uh, the city is electric with it. When you're, when the team is optioning a borderline act, you know, outfielder, and you have the bunch of fans on Twitter that want to erupt and say that this guy deserves to stay in the minor leagues. You know you're doing something right as an organization when the fans are upset that a, a borderline player is getting optioned because he's played so well. So the fans are kind of back. They're excited about what they're seeing on the field at, uh, at GABP. That's outstanding. And I love what I'm seeing from the Reds so far this season. It has been absolutely so much fun to watch. And Drew, I can't thank you enough for giving us some of your time. This has been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed talking Reds all season long with, you know, different types of Reds people. And hey, I hope to have you back on sometime soon. For sure. Vinny, I appreciate you uh, having the time and uh, giving me the platform. It's fantastic. Love Absolutely. We will, we will reach out and have you back again soon. Do you want to promote yourself really quick and all the great work you do? Sure. Um, come check us out at uh, blogredmachine.com. You can follow us uh, at blogredmachine on Twitter, and you know we're on Facebook as well. So um, we appreciate it. And Vinny, again, appreciate your time this afternoon. Absolutely. And to all the fans watching at home, we can't thank you enough for watching today's episode of Crosstown Crosstalk. It has been a marvelous episode, completely dedicated to the Reds. And, you know, for everybody listening, I hope you, you know, enjoy your weekend. Have a good time. I know there's going to be good weather all over. So, you know, keep watching baseball. Keep doing what you're doing. We will be back next week. We'll probably have more emphasis on the Reds. Of course, we'll be talking some San Francisco Giants, Shohei Otani forever. And of course, the White Sox and the Cubs will probably hopefully probably not be more interesting to talk about next week. So as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing. <laughs> <laughs>